So, um, I know a lot of you's been here since day one, uh, and some of you might be the first time you're in here. Uh, so we'll get you caught up with a little bit of review. If this is your first time being in here. Um, first of all, what we're looking at here is the history of the Bible, right? Um, you looked at the title, and hopefully you're like, hey, let's go check this out. Um, so what we're going to do, it's going to be a look at the origin, the transmission, and the preservation of the Bible, right? Of God's Word. So that's the purpose of, of looking at this. And I think this is what the fifth lesson, I think, fourth or fifth, something like that, um, as we've gone through here. So what I want to do first is let's kind of review over some of the things that we've talked about already. So those that have been here. Um, you can answer these, um, the ones that not, it'll give you an opportunity to, to kind of get caught up here. All right. The very first thing is, um, we start off talking about Satan's policy of evil against God's word. Do we remember what those five things were? And again, the order is not really the issue. It kind of is because there is a progression, but whenever you're giving them back to me, uh, as long as we get the five, bless you. Yeah. All right, so watering it down and denying it, those were the last two, right? And that, that final issue of denying, denying what God said is the main issue, right? So those are two of them. What's the other three? Yeah. Questioning, Questioning God's Word, which is where it starts off, right? So what happens is, if, if you pay attention to a lot of different things out there, um, normally where everybody starts off is questioning, is this really what God said, right? Um, and then the end result is just flat out denying it. Okay. Um, so we've got questioning, then we've got watering down and denying. What's the other two? Subtracting from, so leaving out a, a word or two or more. And then the other one was adding two. So adding it in. And the whole purpose of subtracting from and adding two is to water down, right? Then when you get to the final end, you're like, well, this isn't even what it actually says anyway, because whatever right so there is a progression to that um, next is what happens is when that takes place when the questioning the adding to uh, subtracting from watering down and just the flat-out denial what it does is it creates a second viewpoint which is the human viewpoint I can think through things I can figure stuff out and what it does is it creates a human viewpoint which is diametrically opposed to the divine viewpoint, right? So, um, one thing we didn't <clears throat> we didn't talk about when we were going through that uh, policy of evil um, back in Genesis, when we were looking at those, it's really interesting because after after God comes in to talk to Adam, Eve, and Satan, what's really interesting is. Um, Adam says the reason that I took the fruit is because the woman that you gave me. So he's blaming God for the decision that he made rather than taking responsibility for it. And so it's interesting because then Eve says, well, it's Satan's fault. And again, that's what we do today. That's what the human viewpoint is. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Right? Divine viewpoint is really take responsibility for um, your actions, things like that. Okay? Third thing is Doctrine of Revelation. Does anybody remember what that is? When we talked about the Doctrine of Revelation. 
That's fine. Um, so what it is is God chose to reveal Himself to His creation, right? And there were there were three different ways: natural revelation. You can just look out and know, right? Um, there's 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 that revelation. There's special revelations where God chose certain people to reveal Himself to, and then thirdly is the actual Bible itself, right? Um, which is what gets into inspiration. Do we remember what it means when we talked about inspiration? Like the biblical term inspiration, do we remember what that was? Isn't that where like they receive the word of God and they write it down? Okay. And so then one of the things we talked about is the words are the issue, right? The words were what were inspired. We talked about what that means is God breathed, right? So it's the words that God spoke. They wrote them down, which gets into the preservation part, or the inspiration is where it's revelation is God to man, inspiration is man to paper, right? Remember that? Um, illumination. Do we remember what illumination was? Okay. So illumination is where it takes the words from the page and puts it in in you, right? When you read it and you study it and you believe it, um, that's the illumination where you actually learn from it, right? Um, and that's from paper to to the soul, really. And then preservation. Um, hopefully, y'all understand the idea of preservation. You want to keep something, right? You want to you want to preserve it for a long period of time. And the way that the way that the way that that happens is. Um, through multiplicity of copies from generation to generation. People who care about the revelation, inspiration, and inspiration, and illumination uh, carrying that out. Okay. Um, and then that gets us to, that's how God decided to uh, preserve his words. Remember, we, we looked at the verse that says um, that God will preserve them. Well, that's the way he's, he's chosen to do so. Um, and then again, the last part is, uh, just as the final reminder of things that we looked at before is, the words themselves are inspired, not the people, right? Now, obviously, people had to write it down, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through it today, all right? So then, <clears throat> we end off the last time. Um, we want to know, okay, if God's done this, which I believe he has, given us a book and the question is where's the book can we find it um you know we've talked about before <clears throat> would it be fair if somebody if a teacher gave you all a test on something that they never taught about and it's not so then why would god hold you accountable to something if he's not giving you information about it right that's the idea so where is the book so the whole purpose of this is we want to be able to accurately and confidently identify and defend the Word of God. One of the toughest things that that'll happen is when you take a stand for something, you've got to be able to know why you take a stand on anything, whether it's this or or whatever it is. You've got to know why. Um, you got to know why and and and, and uh, be able to identify that. Uh, we wanted to be able to know where the Bible is and what it is. And so what we're looking at is we're looking at the internal evidence. What does the Bible say about itself? And so then um, we mentioned that kind of goes along the same thing. Um, if, you have to, if, you, if you have strong convictions about something, 
um, you want to be able to support those convictions, all right? And that's one of the reasons why we want to be able to go through and do this. So, what does the Bible say about itself? Um, this is a couple verses that we've looked at before. And this is what's really interesting to me, because again, you know, we're, we're talking about the fact that the words are the issue, right? Um, so 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture, and that's the words on the page. So when you open up the Bible, it's talking about the actual words that are written down. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration, which means God breathed. So it's given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, stop there for a second. You think about when, we, when we're talking about inspiration, it's not that, that the men and the women that had anything to do with God revealing himself, they were just so in awe of what he was doing. They're like, man, i got to write about this. Leah Hogan, come to the front office, please. Leah Hogan, come to the front office. Right? It's not like, i just got to write about this because it makes me feel so good. It's the words themselves are what God spoke. Right? And you'll see this as we go through. Um, but it's profitable for doctrine, uh, things that we teach, reproof, um, things that help us to correct bad behavior, uh, for correction, uh, which is uh, it's good for correcting bad doctrine or bad thinking or bad teaching, and then instruction in righteousness, and it's just, it teaches you how to live. Um, why, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what it means to be perfect there isn't like sinless perfection or anything like that. It's that you're completely and totally equipped to do the job that you're supposed to do. Right? So what it tells us is that the scripture themselves, the words that are written down were inspired. And it's interesting because you look at like Psalm 33, 6. And it says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. You know, when when... In, in, in Genesis 1, I've got there uh, 1 3, but in Genesis 1, where it says, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. The light showed up because he spoke it. The words are the issue. Uh, we talked about uh, what inspiration means. The root word of that is spirit, right? So, what God does is he takes his spirit, he takes his life, and puts them in the actual words. And so then when you look at that, it says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. So what we see around us exists because he spoke it. He just said, and there it is, right? Um, you know, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Well, how did he do that? The exact same way, Right? That's why the words are important. That's why, we, that's why we spend time talking about that. So, since the words are important, he's the one that's responsible for making sure that the words are recorded. And um, that's, why we, that's why we want to make sure that we see that the words themselves are, are what's important and uh, kind of keep that in mind, all right? Questions so far? Because when we're looking at this, keep in mind we're looking at what? The origin of where all this stuff started. How is it that we actually came down to a book that we actually have? Um, you go over and read in Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, it says that Daniel understood by the books. 
that there were 70 years that was talked about about his people going through something. And then you talk and you find out he's talking about the book of Jeremiah. Now, you remember a few weeks ago for those that were here, um, Jeremiah, if you remember, the first original version of that was cut up and tossed into a fire, right? We talked about that one. So then you had this second copy. It's a copy of the original that Jeremiah wrote down again. Daniel has that while he's in captivity, and he's able to read that, and he knows, based on what Jeremiah says, that there's 70 years of problems that his people's going to be going through. So it's really interesting when you see those things, um, but he understood them by the books, okay? Um, and that's really the whole point behind the, the, the preservation as well. Um, so when we start thinking about these things, what we also have to think about is, because um, again, we're thinking the origin of this, where did it all start? Uh, real quick question. Does anybody, does anybody know what the first book in the Bible that was actually written down? first book that was actually written down was Job, which is really weird because that's not first in the Bible, right? The very first very first book in the Bible is Genesis. And what's also interesting is Job tells you more about creation than Genesis does. Like Genesis tells us the account of it, but Job gives, actually gives you more information about it. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of those things that's kind of interesting. Um, and there's some, there's some debate on who wrote Job and things like that, but... Um, but we can save that for some other time. So little things like that's interesting. So why isn't the first book ever written the first book in the Bible? It's kind of interesting. Um, also, um, the, what's, the, what's the last book in the Old Testament in the Bible that we have? Does anybody know? What's the last book? Huh? Malachi, right? Um, what's really interesting is if you go read a uh, the Bible that uh, a, a Jew would have, that's not the last book in their Old Testament. It's kind of interesting. Um, and it, there, there's a reason that those are, are in an order they're in. Uh, when we looked at 2 Timothy 3.16, he talks about doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Um, what's really interesting is you can take that and you can see the order in which Paul's epistles are laid out in the Bible. Um, does anybody know what the first book that he wrote was? There's some kind of debate on that too. But. So the first book that Paul wrote was Galatians, but the first one you see of his in the Bible was Romans. So there's a reason why that's that way. Um, in First Peter, Peter gives you a, a, a real neat outline of how Hebrews through Revelation is laid out. So it's kind of neat that you see there's reasons why they're in that order. And it's not because God, because guys decided to do that. This is, as we said, this is something God's taking care of. So that, that kind of leads us to this. Those types of things. Uh, remember, we looked at the middle verse of the Bible is in Psalms. And the middle two, le the middle two words are the Lord. Like, he's at the heart of it. Like, it's kind of neat. That, that's not something that some person just did. There's got to be something else behind that, right? And that's why we talk about um, the, words of the words of the issue. 
So then when we look at this, the book that we have is God's book. And what's interesting is when you're dealing with that book, you're dealing with the one who created that book. Um, you look at uh, Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is quick. So it's, it's talking about the words that we have there. Um, the word that we have is quick. Now, that doesn't mean that it's fast, right? That word quick means it's alive. Um, you know, how can, how can something that's not alive create life? All right, you think about those things. But it has to do with being alive, but it does work quickly in you when you believe it. So the, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you stop there for a second. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. When, when you're looking there, it tells us that it's, it's piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit. Every person in here has a soul and has a spirit, but you're in a body. I don't see your soul. I don't see your spirit. You don't see mine. The only thing you see is my body, and that's the only thing I see of you. But every one of us have those three parts. Well, that book can divide between your soul and spirit, which you can't see. That's kind of neat. It's just the words, the issue, right? <clears throat> and the joints in the marrow. And here's the, here's the other part. <clears throat> He's talking about the word, right? The actual book itself is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You ever thought about that? Like when it when you're reading the life of God that's in those words are reading you. It's kind of powerful when you think about that. But it's discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It knows what you're doing there, why you're doing it, and things like that. That's kind of, it's different than any book. Books that I have over here, your all's textbook for classes, anything you read online, none of that can do what this does. And that's why it's important for us to be able to understand what that history is and kind of go through that stuff, all right? Now, um, <clears throat> continuing on with really looking at the origin of all this, um, are the Old Testament and the New Testament both inspired? Now, there is some talk out there that the New Testament's not. What's interesting is uh, 1 Timothy 5.18, it says, For the Scripture saith, so what's written down, right? We looked at 2, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. What's written down there is the thing. Notice, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, what Paul does is he refers to Deuteronomy 25.4, which is an Old Testament verse, right? Then he says, And the laborer is worthy of his reward, which is a reference to Matthew 10.10 and Luke 10.7. What's he call Deuteronomy and Matthew and Luke? He calls them all Scripture. And that's important because the person who tells us that all Scripture is inspired tells us that here's some Scripture, so that means that they're both equally inspired. And so what he's doing is he's saying, here's both of these things, calls them both scripture, quotes two, three different passages technically. Um, 
and calls them both, all three of them really, um, scripture, saying that they're all equally inspired. So they all carry the exact same weight as as the others. <clears throat> all right. So the main thing that I want us to be able to think about is the word should always be the issue. Um, we're not to consider the men as inspired because the Bible doesn't tell us that. And again, we're looking at the internal evidence. So you have to look at the verses to see what it says about itself. Um, it's not, as I said, they, they didn't have some sort of vision and then it's like, well, I've got to write this down. Um, God actually spoke through them and they wrote them down. Um, so we can kind of see that last statement there. It's dictation, not composition. What's the difference between those two things? Do we know? What's dictation? Anybody know what that means? So if I said, um, I want you to dictate what I'm saying, that means you're writing down every word that I say, right? Composition is, I'm going to take what you said and I'm going to make my own little notes, right? It's like in your classes, if a teacher says something, you're like, I'm not really sure what they said, so you put it in your own words, that's composition. Dictation is, here's what the teacher said, word for word, wrote down what it is, okay? Um, so then, when you think about these things, <clears throat> this, is, this is one of those things that's really important. In fact, um, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, that's basically how I run every one of my classes. Um, doesn't always work out that way because not everybody's in on it or not. But it says, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same. Don't change it. The same. Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. My goal is in my geometry classes or stats classes, whatever it is, my goal is to be able to teach you information. You knowing it doesn't mean I've done my job. You being able to teach it to somebody else means I've done my job. That's what that is, right? Taking the same thing that I teach you and, and teach other people the exact same thing. Um, that's that's kind of what, how I kind of have my stuff and it doesn't always work out that way because um, not everybody is faithful to keep that. And it is what it is. Um, but the idea is you got it from me, now commit it to other people and then that's, that's going to be the success of anything that, that we do. Um, being able to communicate to the next person what you've been taught. Now, um, there's a lot of stuff on that slide. And uh, we'll get to that next time. but Because uh, there's, there's three different passages that I want to look at that shows us that the words are the issue, not the people. All right? And you'll kind of see that in those, in those three, three different examples. Because I know we're running low on time. Um, anyway, right? 